Hey, I want to talk this morning. I'm going to dive right in. Uh, I'm cognizant of the time. Uh, I'm just going to be real candid. Last night, I've, I've been working on this message, coming back from sabbatical. I've been out for six weeks. Uh, it's been an amazing blessing. First time in eight and a half years I've ever had more than two weeks off or two Sundays. And really felt the Lord um, in the middle, which is funny, in the middle of a building program. What are you doing? Well, I felt like the Lord said, I got you. And my tendency is to work and earn it and to go and be a workaholic. And man, I got to tell you, I just want to say personally, thank you to Pastor Ashley and the entire leadership team and all the coaches and everybody. What I more so than ever, it's like, man, this church functions with or without. Like, this is God's church. It's not my church. God, whatever you want to do in a church, do it in this church. Um, and so I came back from sabbatical. Jolea just did an amazing job last weekend talking about becoming the right person. And I knew I was going to talk about um, sexual purity today. Um, and I didn't really know exactly what. Well, I had a whole other message. And it was funny. I came back from a legacy gathering late last night studying. And, and I told Phyllis, I said, it's so crazy. I feel like the Lord wants me to change the whole message. Um, and it came out of a conversation of a friend that we have, uh, a mutual friend who's a new convert, and uh, so precious. She is someone who had a real bad breakup in a relationship. She's, she's been atheist her entire life, switched to agnostic, which means I don't believe there's not a God. I just believe there's a higher power and he's not here, like he's distant, he's out there. Well, this relationship brought her closer to Phyllis. She comes to church. She lives an hour or so away, so she doesn't visit every week. Gave her life to Jesus Christ. Her life has been radically saved. Well, she texts Phyllis last night and said, um, hey, I know, Pastor, we told her we'd talk about, you know, sexual purity. And, and the, 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 the words that she spoke to Phyllis were something like this. Well, look, you know, why do we stay sexually pure? I've been sexually active again. You got to remember, she had been raised in church. And uh, it's like, you know, it's, I, she said, I feel like it's always married people who had sex before marriage who are now married saying don't have sex before marriage. She's like, that doesn't seem fair. <laughs> Come on, somebody's like, how could you do it? And you're telling me not to do it. And she said, what is the real, like, why? Like, why is it a big deal? Like, it should, like, the, and, and her perspective, you have to realize, is coming from a perspective of someone that has never been raised in church. So her whole theology is a, it's not a biblical worldview, it's a secular worldview. And so as we live in society, what does the society, society say? Sexual purity is not a big deal. Doesn't matter if you have sex. Come on, casual sex, it doesn't matter. It's just something that happens between two consensual adults and it's just a physical act. And so today I just, I felt like the, the Lord really made a shift in my heart last night to talk about God's vision for sex. Um, and, and I know I got real quiet. Uh, I, I want to challenge us in this moment to really be open. And I know if you're a parent, um, you're like, oh no, do I have my kid here? I, I want to challenge you to trust me as your pastor and to trust that God has you and your family and your child in the right place at the right time. Because if we don't teach our children about sex in the church, they're going to learn about it in the world. And he who talks about it first defines it. 
And so it's whoever they, have you ever heard that it's one of the reasons why Phyllis and I were so adamant to talk to our kids about sex at the appropriate age. We have these books and, and uh, that we would read and go through with them. It's because whoever they hear it from, that's the one. It's like, well, they said, you know, what well, my friends said, well, that's not what God says. And so I today wanted to really define what does it mean to be sexually pure? What does it mean uh, to have a vision uh, for sexual purity, the, the God's vision for sexual purity? Um, we live in a hyper-sexualized culture. Um, we see uh, sex everywhere. Victoria's always trying to share her secrets with everybody. <laughs> I mean, it is embarrassing to walk in public places like the mall. Like, have you walked in there lately? I'm like, oh my goodness. What is normal back in my day, and I'm not that old, would have been considered soft porn. Um, And yet we see it all over. Um, I I was reading some stats. Two-thirds of all television shows have explicit sex. Um, You go to Netflix. It's not even PG, PG PG-13R. It's NR, and it's mature. And I'm like, my goodness. If we as the church don't get ahead of this, we're in for a train wreck. And we have to say, look, and, and I'm convinced that it's not that people don't want to do and live out God's vision. It's that they don't know God's vision. And I'm talking to believers. And so this morning, I wanted to really speak to that. And, and maybe you're a parent here today and you're like, well, my child, I remember when we first started this church, there was a, an, an apprehension of talking about, you know, sex. I remember I'd get a little nervous. We do a relationship talk. And I had one parent one time tell me something like, oh, well, I'm not going to bring my teenager if you're talking about sex. And um, I, I, you know, you kind of get a little nervous, but I told Phyllis last night, she said, oh, Lord. I said, I think pastoring this church eight and a half years, seeing the condition of our society has emboldened me to speak very clearly and directly about topics that if uh, uneducated in will destroy our lives. Um, And there was a stat that I just, I recently read. It's 93% of boys and 62% of girls are exposed to internet pornography before the age of 18. Parents, we cannot put our heads in the sand. Uh, If they have a smartphone, they've got computers, trust me, they have access to everything. Think about this as as an adult, you know, my mid-40s. If you wanted to look at pornography, you had to go to a gas station. Hello? Pornography is now pumped into your home. How? It's, it's unfiltered through your phones. It's on Netflix. It's, and so we've got to guard our hearts and yet create a, 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 a vision of God. What, see, because what we tend to do is when we parent and when we try to get people to do the right thing, we tend to do it on what they shouldn't do. Don't have sex. Don't you know, um, mess around, don't be unequally yoked. And so it's all the don't, it's the restraint, you know, don't date him while he's bad for you. Don't date her. She's bad for you. Don't watch this. Don't watch that. But restraint without revelation leads to rebellion. Let me say again, restraint without revelation leads to rebellion. So we just say don't, but we never give them the vision. We never give them the revelation. Then it actually does the opposite. It leads people to rebellion. Think about yourself. 
Have you ever been told, don't do something? Don't push that button? What do you want to do if someone says, don't push that button? Well, somebody says, don't open that. Hey, listen, don't open that door over there. What do you want to do? You're like, oh, open that door. Why? There is something inside of us. We want to do the opposite of what we are told. And it's normal. It's, it's natural. And so my prayer today is not that we would lead with restraint, but that we would lead with vision. Vision for sexual purity. See, we get a vision for everything else, right? You get a vision for your health. What do you mean? Well, I got a vision for the weight that I want to weigh. You got a vision for, you know, how I want my body to look. And when I have a vision, guess what happens? I eat right. I exercise. I don't need somebody to tell me, don't eat chocolate chip muffins. Don't sleep all day. Why? Because if I have a vision for where I want to go in my fitness, it leads me to where I want to be. We have vision for our careers. We have vision for, uh, you know, our finances. And yet so many people do not have a vision for their sexual purity. And that's where today we're really going to pick that up. God, give us a vision of what sexual purity looks like. And in our hearts and in our minds, we must know that the world didn't create sex, so the world cannot define sex. And that's where we have to be emboldened. You know, sometimes it's like, shut up, sit down, that's old school. You know, you're irrelevant. Listen, I want you to know God's word is never irrelevant. It is timeless. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we, when we understand that the world is desperate for something real, that they will look and see the power of God in our lives when we live the way that God has called us to live. So if God created sex and the world distorted sex, you know, the, the, how, how is it that people continue to make bad decisions? Even Christians, I wish you could say that there was a difference uh, of, of the church and the world. But nowadays, when you look at someone who says they're a Christian, how many know they operate and function and live a lot like what the world uh, looks like and operates as and functions as? And the reason is, is because I believe there's a lot of bad information. Bad information. Uh, you don't know what you don't know. As a parent, uh, I have four amazing kids, and it's so funny to see them talk about things they have no idea about. Um, for about five years ago, uh, it was my daughter, my middle-aged daughter, she, or my middle daughter, she is uh, 10 now. She was about five. Uh, we were driving in Mid-County in Beaumont, which is the Golden Triangle. It's where we're from. Um, and she was talking, all the family were, were talking, and we're visiting some of our relatives who live over there. And just out of the blue, she, we're, we're having a conversation. She said, Dad, isn't it true that, that you went to jail? Well, maybe. <laughs> yes. So she had heard someone said, and listen, your pastor went to jail for a moment. A stupid decision. I, I was smarting off to a cop. Come on, somebody. How many of you know smart off to a cop? Hello. Uh, and so I was, I was in jail, and uh, somehow somebody told my five-year-old daughter, and uh, her cousin 
who is a police officer and works at the sheriff's department, thought it would be funny to tell my daughter that in jail they serve milk and cookies and sweet tarts. Well, my daughter's like, well, that's amazing. That doesn't sound bad at all. And so here she is. She's like, Dad, so you had milk and sweet tarts and cookies? And I said, oh, baby, that's just simply not true. I promise you all I had was water. And then I was out. And uh, I, th- baby, that's not true. And she said, well, Caleb told me. He works at the prison. And he said, he said, no, they get sweet tarts and cookies and milk. And I said, baby, Caleb was messing with you. She said, no, he wasn't. Caleb wouldn't do that. Like he would tell me the truth. And no matter what, I, of course, now that's not what she believes. But for the longest time, I couldn't convince her anything different. She had bad information, and because of that, she believed it, and, and she actually said something very well, I will go to jail if I get cookies and sweet tarts and milk, because <laughs> that's what she loves, sweets. I think it's a lot like that in the world when regards to sex. It's not that people are bad, they just have bad information. And so they're making bad decisions, and it's so easy to judge someone and say, I can't believe you would do that and act like, well, they just had bad information. Today, we're going to get some good information. We're going to find out what the Word of God says and really allow it to be applied to our lives and uh, walk out of here differently, being able to live the way that God wants us to live so that we can be the salt and the light to the world that is around us. So what's the bad information? Well, the biggest thing that I see is that sex is just physical. Oh, doesn't matter. It's just a physical act from two consenting adults. As long as it's consensual, it's okay. And what the world will tell you is it doesn't hurt anybody. It doesn't matter. I mean, how many have ever heard what, what happens in Vegas? Yeah, can I tell you what happens in Vegas? They don't stay in Vegas. Those consequences come back. And they plague your life. And that saying is just, hey, it doesn't matter. It was just a weekend. It was just a fling. And the truth is, that couldn't be more uh, opposite from what God's Word says. Um, We've got to know that if you treat sex as just physical, you're going to live your entire life with scars and wounds of past sexual relationships. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, look at what it says. It says, flee from sexual immorality. He didn't say flirt with it, play with it. Like there's, you know, Someone was asking, if I want to stay sexually pure, where's the line? Well, run from anything that would cause us to, like why would we even flirt? Listen, if you, if you were on a high mountaintop, on the ledge of a mountain, how many of you say, oh, I want to get as close to that edge as possible. Woo, it doesn't matter. It's all, no, no, no. What do you do? You're like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, I'm a little afraid of heights. I'm a backup. I want to be safe. I want to have some security. You never know what would happen. And, and so we have to say, man, I'm going to flee from sexual immorality. Anything that would cause me to, to, to lean into that. It says all of the sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Think about it. You sin against your own body. We wound ourselves in the deepest way when we uh, sin sexually. And I think most of us know that intuitively. Uh, you know, we probably wouldn't think it like directly in the world. would, say, But I think we know that intuitively. And let me explain. Um, if sex was just physical, 
why is rape and sexual abuse so devastating? Think about it. See, it's so funny. It's just physical. It's just physical. But if you've ever been abused, if there's ever been any traumatic moments in your life and like that, uh, you know, if it was just physical, it'd be like bruised ribs or a broken leg. Just takes time to heal. And we know that's not true. We know people who live their whole life with trauma and wounds from sexual, uh, you know, rape and, and trauma that, that some never heal from it. And so intuitively, there is this instinctive, like, I think there's more. I don't really know. But the world has defined it. So therefore, they're believing bad information. Sex is something that connects us to the deepest part of the person we have a sexual encounter with. Um, It's connected to your spirit and to your soul. It's not just physical. It's not just your body. Uh, And that's how come some people's deepest regret in life is usually tied to some sexual sin. Why? Because it's not just physical, but it is your spirit. It is your soul. That when you have sex with someone, whether it's voluntary, whether you've been violated, you give the greatest part of yourself to that person. And that's why it's so devastating when they betray you, right? Someone says, oh, I'm your boo. I'm your honey. I love you. You're not married. And and you give yourself sexually to them. You've allowed yourself to go there with them. And then they dump you. You're devastated. Why? Because it's not just physical, it's more than that. There's something intimate and deeper that is happening in your life. Single people, listen to me, your sexuality is very fragile. Let me say that again, it's very fragile. It's like a delicate flower that God made your sexuality to be an expression of intimacy. Intimacy. What does intimacy mean? That means I know you and you know me at the deepest level. And that's the beauty of what sex was intended to be in the context of marriage is that Phyllis loves me unconditionally. It doesn't matter how many fat rolls I have, no matter how much of my hair is falling out. I mean, none of that matters because that woman loves me. She thinks I am handsome. She thinks I'm good looking and vice versa. Doesn't matter about what the physical condition of our bodies is. There is this intimate connection where I'm fearless. I'm wonderfully known. There is no shame. There is no insecurity. I mean, it's amazing when you walk in the context of covenant and sexual intimacy. You walk around naked. It's like, woo, I celebrate it. Doesn't matter how much cellulite, doesn't matter how much Dunlap disease you got, none of that matters. Why? Because of the safety and security of sexual intimacy in the context and the relationship of a marriage. Look at what Genesis chapter 2 verse 25 says. It says that Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Sexual intimacy is not shameful. It's a beautiful thing. And hey, let me just tell you, sex is fun. Oh, I got one person. Hey, come on. This is what I'm talking about. Hey, listen, teenagers, sex is fun. Like, like why, why would we lie to them? I mean, hey, sin is fun. Until it's not. So let's just don't lie to them. I mean, it's great, man. It's awesome. Swing from the chandeliers. Go have an amazing time. It's beautiful. So why are we so ashamed? It's because the world has perverted what God created. 
And so we ought to celebrate. You know, I tell my kids, they get, they, they're like, y'all so disgusting. We tell them all the time, oh, it's good that they knock. Trust me, they knock on my door. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to them. Hey, and sex is good outside of marriage. It is. But there's consequences. You never know what you're walking home with. You got those STDs. Someone ends up pregnant. You have this bondage that's wrapped inside of you because you gave your best part to someone who didn't deserve it. And they didn't even know how to honor that gift. That's what intimacy is. It's a gift. It's like, I'm going to give you this gift. And so in the context of covenant relationship and marriage, it's precious. Why? Because she's going to hold my gift gently. She's going to honor it. She's going to protect me. She's going to love me unconditionally. And it's an amazing, beautiful thing in the context of marriage. So we got to handle it with care. And uh, the culture, they can say it's just physical all day long, but it's, it's not. There's more to it. And I want to explain. Let me try to under, help you understand it a little bit better so I can give you a vision to live for. Uh, God is a triune being. God the Father. God the Son, and then God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. Uh, And so God said in his word in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 that as God is, so are we. Look at what he says. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, both male and female, he created them. So if God is three in one, he's three divine persons without division of nature and essence of being. Uh, We are created in his image as well. We are three in one. We have three parts to who we are. We are spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Now the spirit is the God-centered and God-conscious part of who we are. The soul is our self-conscious, and the body is earth-conscious. So we are three in one. And many times since the world, they'll put the graphic up, put that graphic up. The world says, hey, listen, sex only has to do with the body. Well, if that were true, that means then when you're having sex, you're split. The other two parts are not even there. That's not true. We are all there, spirit, soul, and body. And so when we have sex, look here. So your body, let's just break it down. You are a spirit. So that means who you are at the core is actually spiritual, which is why when you die and there's a body there, um, that body was simply a temple. That person is either in heaven or they are in hell, living eternally. Why? Is it the body? No, it's their spirit. They are a spirit. Now they have a soul. Soul, what is that? That's your mind, your will, and your emotions. So that's the part of our life where we feel and we, we think. It's this mind, our will, our emotions. That's our soul. And then we live in this physical body. So when we get saved, the spirit is what gets saved. Salvation happens to our spiritual man. Since we are spirit, what happens? If you are not born again, then spiritually, though you are alive, you are what the Bible says, spiritually dead. Sometimes it doesn't make sense, right? You're like, what in the world are you talking about? I'm breathing, I'm living. Yes, but that is your temple. So though you have breath, you're not really alive. Which is why Jesus in the gospel talks about going from death to light. That's what a baptism is. It's symbolic of burying the old self. And when you come up, there is a new self. Like, God, I was dead, but now I'm alive. And God, we thank you that though I thought I was alive, 
I was really dead, and the old man is now laying down in the watery grave. And so if we don't understand the complexity of how we were created, we can be deceived to think just as the world has taught us to think. Um, and so here's the challenge that, that happens in a church or in Christianity. Without vision or understanding, you can think when I'm saved, everything changes in my life instantly. I wish that were true, but it's not. Um, what happens when you're born again is your spirit is made alive. You are brand new, and we call that justification. Everybody say justification. Say it again, justification. If you say it louder, I'll preach quicker. <laughs> so justification happens in a moment. But how many of you have ever had that experience and you go back home and you fall back into old patterns and sins and things happen? Well, that's because your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotion has to be what they called sanctified, set apart. That's the daily when Jesus talked about that we, we crucify our flesh daily. That's the dying of your emotions and your will. How, how many knows that's where Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane? What did he say? Not my will be done, but your will be done. Well, what is he doing? He's crucifying the flesh, that soulish nature. And so he was a great model for all of us. And if we're not careful, you think, well, I'm born again. My soul is made perfect instantly. That's just not true. We go through the process of sanctification. God, that every day I crucify my flesh. Every day I lean into you. Every day I choose for my soul to go to the foot of the cross. And then, of course, when your mind tells your body what to do, your body does it, right? So your spirit's new. My, my soul's being regenerated. God, I'm going to follow you. And then your body goes, I'm going to pray. I don't want to pray, but my soul says, you're going to pray. Um, and so it's an amazing thing that happens, um, but what we must realize is just because our spirit is new, now the work really begins. Uh, look at what John chapter 3 verse 6 says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So when we're saved, the Spirit gives us revelation from God. The soul now has a choice. Will I do what the Lord revealed to me? And then the body then acts on whatever the soul says to do. So you can give your spirit to God and still be connected to someone through your soul. Think about that. I can be born again and yet connected to someone who either is a believer or not a believer through my soul, which is my mind, my will, and emotions. That's what we call a soul tie. Soul tie. Soul tie. So a tie is something that binds us, it fastens us, it attaches us, it restrains us. A soul tie is an attachment of our mind and our emotions to a person or an influence, the choice of our will. So they, they influence us. They may not even be around us, but that attachment is influencing our choices. Let me show you a graphic. Show them the graphic of the soul ties. So here's what it really looks like when, when we are sexually intimate with, with someone is that a soul tie binds us to that person. 
That's the way God created it, that, that there would be this connection in our soul that we would forever be joined together. Now, that would be okay if you only had a sexual encounter with one person, and maybe you did, but they have probably had other sexual encounters with other people. So when you have a sexual encounter with one person, many times you've actually been joined with lots of other people and not even know it. And so you come to church and you get excited, you're fired up, you go to 21 days of prayer, which is going to happen next month, and you're like, God, my spirit is alive. So Paul says, the things I don't want to do, I do, and the things I want to do, I don't. And there's this wrestling that takes place. But when you have a soul tie, it's like an unfair advantage that the devil has in your life. Right? Because I want to do it, but there is this bondage that keeps pulling me back, and it doesn't make sense. And as a believer, you're just, you get frustrated. You get angry. You're like, man, why am I thinking about this person when I want to forget that person? They did me wrong. They did me dirty. But you find yourself being drawn. A little inappropriate, inappropriate, but that's that booty call when you're, when you're hurting and you're alone. Can we just be real, young people? That's that, that's that, that's that person when you're, you're married and, and your spouse, um, and, and I'm telling you, as many people in the last eight and a half years that I've counseled, it's cr- you'll have a fight with your spouse, and that person you ain't talked to in 10 years texts you. What do you think that is? That's that demonic spirit trying to rob your destiny through assault. And normally, look, if it had been a stranger, you wouldn't even be, you'd be like, oh, I'm married to brother awesome or sister amazing. But that soul tie that was never broken pulls you back. And it's a bondage that the enemy uses. And here's what we understand since God created sex. That is a good thing in the context of marriage. The Bible wants, God wants to unite and to join us with our spouse. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife. And they shall become one flesh. Well, unite, join, adhere, bound together. Soul tie is not actually even found in the Bible. It's just this concept of being tied and joined together. Look at Matthew chapter 19, verse 6. So they are no longer two, but one. Everybody say one. Say it again. Say one. Therefore, whatever God has joined, and everybody notice what God has joined. Let's say again, what God has joined. See, I... Our church is full of people that that came to this church and have given their life to Christ, and it's amazing. And and I counsel people all the time. uh, You know, they're living together. They come to church, give their life to Christ. Listen, we're so glad you're here. It's amazing. You'll never have any judgment from us. Are you kidding? But for the grace of God, go I. You come on. And and the, the thing that I've counseled them with is you want God to bless your relationship, but you're not living in covenant. So if we want God to bless a relationship, how many know we got to do it God's way? And covenant relationship is through marriage, that God, you united us, you joined us together. Let no one separate. So we're fastened together. It's two becoming one. Let me, let me show you this illustration. Danielle, will you bring this out? Uh, it's probably one of the best illustrations that I can give you to help you understand how God created soul ties. And in the right context, it's a blessing. This is a major blessing. Um, you, you know, you've read the book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From... 
I don't even know about that. Come on. It's a different solar system. Man, it's like, guys, how many know men and women, honestly, can we just be candid? They're not compatible. I, I'm always amazed when you, when you hear divorce of, of celebrities and they say irreconcilable differences. I'm like, hello? They're all irreconcilable differences. Like, are you kidding? It's like, man, women are brain and guys we have nothing boxes that our wives don't even believe exist what do you think about nothing I do not believe you I promise you I'm not thinking about nothing <laughs> and if you'll leave me alone it'll stay that way <laughs> right I mean it is like we were just created different it is absolutely I just it's it's comical without I mean with God without God it's depressing but <laughs> You have a very, I just came off sabbatical. Listen, so here's a great illustration to help us. So like you have oil and water. How many know oil and water are not compatible? No matter what you do, they will always separate, always. Uh, Their properties, their chemical makeup is totally different. Uh, One is, is heavier than the other, and it's just a natural process. Well, this is a great illustration of men and women. See, men, you're not supposed to be feminine. Like, you're supposed to be a man. Women, you're not supposed to be masculine. You're supposed to be a woman. Come on. That's how, I, I get a better amen. I don't care if you amen or not. I'm just telling you. He created man and woman, and they are different. And so um, what happens in the context of a friendship, it's okay, because I'm going to my house, you go to your house, and leave me alone. <laughs> but in covenants, how do I get two things that are so polar opposite to become one? Well, it's only in the context of God's vision, sexual intimacy. See, that's where God has this whole plan that if you'll follow his plan, it is a beautiful and wonderful thing. That if I will love only one person, give my life to one person, commit to... to, and, And that's where marriage... Someone says, what's the key to marriage? It, it, it has to be till death do us part. So when you're in it for life, how many know you're tending, you're going to work on it? Uh, if, it's, if it's like, ah, I don't know if I like you, I'll go try another. Well, it's never going to work out because we always find reasons to justify our dysfunction. And so, but when it's forever, it's like, oh my God, we're not stuck, but it's going to, you know, I don't want to be stuck. I want to have a thriving, amazing, that's why Phyllis and I have been counseling for eight years. Why? Because we just want to be healthy. Someone say, how long are you going to be in counseling for the rest of my life? Why? Because I just need it. I'm a better pastor, husband. Phyllis, don't laugh too hard. <laughs> so the egg, let me just show, the egg is what, what, what you would call, I'm not a baker. Anybody bake, cook, do anything like that? Egg is, is a bonding agent. And so it's like this egg, what, what is uh, not able to bond, when you put a bonding agent in it, an amazing thing happens. Uh, it now, where it was not able to bond, there is a bonding agent that makes two incompatible things become one. Which means, listen, you'll never be able to separate it. Why? They've been bonded. They've been joined. In fact, their property has changed. It's not even the same two elements because of this bonding agent. And look at how God designed it. It is an amazing, amazing thing. Two, go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. For this reason, a man and, uh, will leave his father's mother to be united to his wife. The two shall become 
one. Two totally different elements that are incompatible, irreconcilable differences in the context of sexual purity. This is the format that God and the vision that God has. Look, I want y'all to become one. That means when I'm traveling, guess who I'm thinking about? My honey boo. I'm like, what's up, baby? Hey, I'm thinking about you. Song comes on. Guess who I'm thinking about? That's our song. I watch a movie. I'm like, girl, I sure miss you. You know, it's, there's this constant. It's like, man, have you ever heard that? I can't get you out of my mind? That's God working in the context of covenant relationship through sexual intimacy, and it's a beautiful thing. The challenge then comes when it's not in the context of marriage. So here you gave yourself to someone. You've had this happen, and they leave you. And that's why you feel so betrayed. Though it was casual, you might have even had, hey, listen, look, I don't want nothing more. We're just friends. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You have sex, you leave. You're like, why is it so hard? I knew it in my head going into it, but that's not how God designed it. Your soul, your spirit, your body have been connected to this person. So then they're long gone out the picture and they can text you out of the blue and drive you crazy. You're like, oh my God, I want to go back, but that's so stupid. We're just friends. And, and not only them, but you can have other sexual encounters that pull on you at any moment. So those people have now this cord, this bond with you and can pull you back to them at any moment. Well, in the context of marriage, how I many know oh, that's a beautiful thing? That's an amazing thing. It's, it's amazing because no matter how much Phyllis gets mad at me, she, I could drive her crazy. She's still going to long for me. Come on. It's like, you drive me crazy, but I love you so much. Right? That's a, and here's the other thing. When, when, when we're sexually intimate, no matter, everybody says, well, I don't look as good as them. Or, you know, it's, I, I'm not as young. Listen, in the context of sexual intimacy, God created it that the chemicals that go off in your mind and your brain, it, it bonds us together. I don't want nobody else. She is the one. It doesn't matter about anybody. The, the only the only way that changes is when you introduce porn. Because now I don't have to fight. Uh, now, now it's like, hey, we don't have to work and reconcile our fights. I can go and get my need met through something else. Easy. Non-committal. She don't talk back. She, it's just you just go over there. But when you are living the life that God's called you, this intimacy is amazing because it causes you to live a life for the rest of your life together. Now, if it's outside the context of marriage, what you'll find is that there is a war that goes on. And that's why it was important for you to see the picture. Your soul and your spirit will war. It's like your spirit wants to do right, but your soul, those soul ties pull you back. And an ungodly soul tie is an assignment against your destiny. Think about that. What you thought was a physical quick encounter is an assault on your destiny because you've now been joined with someone and you have no idea the baggage that they are bringing into this relationship because of their past experiences and the devil knows he can pull you back that no matter how much your spirit longs for God, your soul will drag you back away from God. And then what happens, right? It's all shame. You have that sexual encounter with that booty call, whatever. It's like, oh my God, now you feel ashamed. Instead of running to God, you run away from God. Everybody's judging you. And I want you to know, nobody here judges you. We don't care. We just want you to get connected to God. 
we all have hurts, habits, and hangups. So if we'll go back to the one who can heal them, back to the one that can restore them, then listen, this church, this region, we will see God move in a powerful way. So don't let shame pull you away. Look at Philippians 4, 7. It says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Well, you, well, Pastor, I think my mind is pretty good, but many deal with their mind uh, fighting these battles of thoughts. Again, it's not just single people, but if you're married, you get in a fight with your, your spouse, and now this thought of that ex, this thought of that person, I should have married them, what if I would have married this person? All of that has to do with that soul tie that keeps pulling you back. It's, it's amazing to see how the enemy wants to sell misinformation even to believers so that he can cause them to live defeated lives even though they go to church. And you have a powerless, pitiful church because of the lack of vision for sexual purity. So how do I know if I have a soul tie, Pastor? Is your mind constantly replaying images of the past or rehearsing previous conversations like a broken record? Have you tried to forget someone and you can't? Have you found yourself longing when you're not thinking? Like I know when you're thinking, it's like, no, I know that's, but how many know you can know here and not experience it here? And so that soul tie just keeps pulling you back. Look, Satan's plan of attack is to lure you from God's path. He can't steal your salvation, but he can rob you of your destiny. And that's what he wants to do in a society that is hypersexualized. It's no big deal. It's just physical. And so we buy into the lie. We're caught and bound up. And now the enemy has a hold of our life. And what we see in sexual encounters is, and this is what I've talked to my kids about, what you're really doing is you're actually training yourself for divorce. Think about it. You have sex with someone. We were together. We're irreconcilable differences, we're not compatible, I leave you, I go to this person. Well, what is that? Well, in God's kingdom, you were united as one. So now you've experienced divorce. You go to, now you weren't married, so we didn't call it divorce, we call it a breakup. Ah, we just broke up. Okay, so you go to the next person, divorce. Next person, divorce. Next person, divorce. Well, now you've found Mr. or Mrs. Wright. And this is what Jolea talked about. It's not trying to find Mr. or Mrs. Wright. It's about becoming Mr. or Mrs. Wright. And so you found them. You're in church. Thank God you brought us together. It's going to be amazing. The problem is you didn't break those soul ties. And so you've been practicing for divorce and you think just because you're in church, everything changes and it doesn't until you get a vision for God's life uh, for sexual purity and you break those demonic soul ties. And so we have to make sure that we're aware. So what do we do? Look, if you're single, commit to stay pure until you're married. Uh, You know, if you're married, of course, it goes without saying we don't go outside of our marriage to get our needs met. Porn, people, nothing. And I promise you, male, female, you don't go outside your marriage, you're going to work on your marriage. It's like, because if I'm not getting my need met somewhere else, I'm not going to live my whole life without my needs met. Come on, somebody. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to apologize. Anybody ever found yourself apologizing? You're like, how many know you apologize right before bed? Come on, somebody. Baby, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. Why? Because you ain't going nowhere else. Like, you're the all I got. And, and that's what we, <laughs> you laughing, baby. <laughs> 
I know I'm in rare form. I know, I know. And so we commit to stay pure. Whether we're married or single, we're going to stay pure. The only sexual encounters we're going to have is in the context of a uh, marriage covenant. Um, and, and it's not easy. Can I tell you it's not easy? You'll go against the grain. People will say you're irrelevant. I've had people say, oh, that's old school. Oh, that's okay, but the Bible is not old school. The Bible was relevant yesterday. It's relevant today, and it will be relevant tomorrow. The question is, do you want to live in the freedom that God offers us to live in? And so we're going to commit to stay sexually pure. Here's the most important thing. If you've, if you've got a soul tie, we've got to sever any and all ungodly soul ties. Single, um, whether you're single, whether you're married, doesn't matter. We're going to sever those goal, uh, soul ties. So Eli, come up here. and we're, we're, we're going to just, I want to walk you through what that process looks like. We're going to get ready to close. It's going to be um, amazing. Uh, it's in your message notes, and I really wanted you to have their six steps to help you break these ungodly soul ties. Um, it was so precious earlier, the first service, um, a man came up and in the breezeway uh, and just said, I'm 55 years old and I had no idea about soul ties. Today, God set me free. <clears throat> and I want you to know there's no shame I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I, and, and if you're new to Anchor Ben, I know I haven't been here in six weeks. I just want you to know, we love you. There's no judgment here. We don't care. We've all been the prodigal. What we care about is that you don't stay the same. That God would help build a community around you to help you get better. So the first thing we want to do is we want to surrender our life to God. If we don't give God control and he make our spirit brand new, we're still operating as dead people, though we're alive and breathing. So God, I surrender. God, I give you everything. I give it all to you. I love Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you're going to be saved. Because we believe with our heart, we're justified, we confess with our mouth, and we experience salvation. So even at the end of this experience, Pastor Ashley's going to come up. We're going to pray a prayer for those of you that haven't done this. We're going to have the opportunity to do it. Second thing is we need to repent and confess. God, I was wrong. I had bad information and made some bad decisions. I shouldn't have done it. Whether you knew you shouldn't have or you're just finding out you shouldn't have, it doesn't matter. God, I'm sorry. What is repentance? Repentance means I was going this way. Maybe you were thinking about that booty call tonight in service while pastor was preaching and you say, God, I repent. No, 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 no. We're going to delete that and block that number. And we are going to go in this direction. We're going to go in this way. And God, I'm not perfect, but I repent. I turn from that and I'm turning to you. And then I think we, we just need to confess, God, I made those mistakes. I, 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 I didn't know. It's, now I know. I'm going to, I confess. And uh, it's so important. See, uh, true repentance happens in humility. It's not because you got caught. It's because you realize and understand the truth. And there's a difference. There's this weightiness. So God, I just, man. Then once we do that, release and restore. It's really important. 
What I mean by release, God, I'm asking you to release me of this soul tie, restore anything. That person who I have a sexual encounter with that took part of me, God, would you bring it back? And how many know that what's impossible in the natural is possible through God's miracle working power. I love marrying a couple who has made a mistake. And we're able to say, oh, today is fresh. My past doesn't bind me. It doesn't lock me in a prison. I've repented in God. We start this fresh. Devil, you are defeated. And so we put in your message notes a prayer. I felt it was really important for us to pray this prayer. Father, I renounce this soul tie. And it's so important that every person you've had sexual encounters with, you call their name out. I renounce this soul tie with. And I break this alliance. I renounce the spirit of lust and cancel the legal right of Satan to operate this way in my life. Someone says, well, what about the other person? Like, do I need to call them? No. Listen, when a boat unties from a dock, you don't have to untie it from both places. You just untie. You let them go. Bye, bye, bye. And you just delete their number. You block the call. You don't ever even have to talk. Just just let them go. And then the four things, just got to remove any trophies. Anything, if you got that playlist, that special jam. You got a picture. I just encourage you, get rid of all of it. You don't need any trophies, any mementos, nothing to remind you of that. So you remove it and then, then you rejoice. God, I'm free. God, I'm restored. God, my life is made whole again. And we just rejoice in what God does supernaturally. And then you repeat the process. If there's another one, here, I'm going to confess. I'm going to renounce with this person. And here's what I tell you. Phyllis and I were not sexually pure before we got married. Made mistakes. We actually went to a deliverance uh, session. And we were able to walk through some of this. We, we, were, we, we knew enough. There was like, man, we need people. Like, we're going to renounce it. Man, there's a freedom when you renounce it. It's like we, we were talking the other day, and somehow we were talking about, you know, people of the past. And I asked her a specific question, and she said, you know what, Jim? I don't even remember. I thought, isn't that the power of God's presence? See, you think you're stuck with that memory. Listen, and, and let me speak to someone who's been traumatically uh, abused, maybe it was sexual. And so there's this trauma and you're like, will I ever forget what happened to me? You will. The problem is that soul tie was never broken. So the devil's lied to you, say, you'll never forget. You'll never be whole. I know. And you're like, but he, he raped me. I, no, no. The, the God of heaven has a way of washing. But you just didn't know about soul ties. It takes more than physical counseling. It's not just about counseling. It's not, it's not just your head. It's your spirit. It's your soul. And it's your body. So you just repeat. And, and I want to encourage you. Nobody has sinned too far, gone too far, done too much. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. 